Japan by River Cruise is made possible thanks to the kind listeners who support us on Japan by RiverCruise.com and due to the generosity of our corporate sponsors. This is a message from Squarespace. At Squarespace, we've dedicated ourselves to spreading the word that we are the easiest to use platform to build your own website by offering generous sponsorships and affiliate schemes to hundreds of thousands of podcasts. But now, with the acquisition of the JBRC family of podcasts, including Rugby Rugby, uh, we love rugby, and Brian Brian Fuck You Brian, we're done. Every podcast has mentioned Squarespace now. There's not a single notable pod jockey who hasn't uttered the words, use my code for 10% off of your first purchase of a domain name or website. Which means that for us to continue to grow, we'll need a new generation of white men with microphones to give 10% discount codes to. So please, start a podcast. Squarespace, the easiest way to get sponsorship for your podcast and also build a website. Welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Oli Horn. And joining us this week is the author of Loco in Yokohama and Hi, my name is Loco and I'm a racist. He's also a columnist, a speaker, and an activist. It's Baye McNeil. He's also known for leading the successful charge to get blackface off of Japanese TV and being single-handedly responsible for the renaming of the unfortunately titled Take the Foreigners Down the River Japanese River Cruise Experience. Thanks for joining us, Baye. Thanks for having me, guys. On this week's show, in an attempt to explain the Black Lives Matter movement in America, NHK broadcasts an extremely racist and misleading depiction of black protesters. Spokespeople from NHK say that they've learned their lesson, and to make amends, they're writing individual apologies to everyone who was offended on the backs of 1,000 yen gift cards to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Plus, Ali's got your weekly River Cruise recommendation. Ali? Yes, this week's River Cruise recommendation is the Nakanoshima River Cruise in Osaka that is branching out by not only offering parties and events on their fleet of luxury boats, but also wedding receptions. The chairman of the company, Mr. Nakamura, has issued a statement saying they wish to enter the lucrative world of wedding venues and services with transparency and integrity, and therefore invites his customers to print off their events and parties price list and append the word wedding before each item and add a zero to the end of their regular prices themselves. And we'll take a look at the last three months of activity in the actual River Cruise crew member Facebook group that Ali and I thought it would be funny to join, only to discover that it's now entirely posts by out-of-work parents begging for a job to help feed their children. But first, Soap Talk. Baye, we've wanted to have you on the show for a while, and unfortunately news events have meant that your appearance on the show is... Now, very, very useful, uh, for, for, one, for want of a better expression. Uh, this horrible, is, this horrible is very, way to phrase this, that. <laughs> this is very much your moment, and we are glad. But uh, like you've, you've appeared on like BBC News, and you've done a TED Talk and stuff. So how does it feel to finally get on the Japan by River Cruise podcast? <laughs> this is it, man. It doesn't get any better than this, does it? <laughs> I did watch your your BBC clip the last time there was a a blackface controversy, right? Where I mean, for, for listeners that aren't familiar with your work, you're you've been a, a blogger for years and years and years. I mean, I remember reading your blog before I'd ever 
been to Japan, which must have been, I don't know, 2009, 2010, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you've, you've kind of spearheaded a, a movement to educate the Japanese media about the use of, of blackface. And something that I thought was very interesting was when the latest scandal came up, which was when, I think it was Kamada, the comedian. Who Hamada, Hamada. Up, Downtown Hamada. Hamada. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, dressed up as Eddie Murphy. Uh, you went on the BBC and gave an extremely balanced perspective. And you were very clear to say that you didn't think it was racist, but rather this was just born of ignorance. And therefore it kind of seemed to me like you were very hopeful that you could bring about change. That if the problem is just ignorance and not hate, then an industry can change. And it seems that it might've worked, right? I don't know. When I first started blogging, this is back in 2008. You were right. It was 2008. And um, of course, I've been here since 2004 and I've seen blackface, you know, quite a bit. So it it was always troubling. It was always problematic for me. But I didn't think of it as racist. I just thought of this is the way Japanese entertain themselves. And I'm an immigrant here and I really don't have any say in, you know, what the people do here, how they you know, how they entertain themselves. I didn't I didn't feel it was my place to speak out. And are you saying that it's not racist because it's not born from that same kind of minstrel mocking heritage? Well, at the time, I didn't know where it came from. But right. it did come from that, actually. I found out later after I started researching it. It, it absolutely did come from white, white supremacy. I mean, the first exposure that Japanese had to blackface was from Perry. When he when he first kicked open the door to Japan, you know, with a loaded cannon, he he had his crew performing blackface for the Bakufu. Yeah. And they watched his show, and they were very entertained by it. And since that day, way back in 1840, 1850s, they've been doing blackface in Japan. So they got this disease, this virus, this this racism corona from white people and been doing it ever since in Japan. So they did get they did learn yeah. how to ridicule racistly, uh, race, racially um, depict black people in blackface from white superiority from white people. And they were aware that it was derogatory. And so for the avoidance of doubt, the thing that's objectionable is the blackface is the punchline. Exactly. And you can't get around the fact that it's a prop and it's a prop that the person who's putting on can discard. Whereas an actual black person does not have the choice to stop being black and to not take all of the negative treatment from society that comes along with that. Um, well, that's that's the thing, right? I mean, the, the when I first encountered blackface in Japan, it was via one of those types of groups, Rats and Star. I guess they had a different name back then, the Gospel Rats. Yeah. And when and when... And when confronted about their black facing, they will always say, oh, this is how we show our love and our respect for black people, black culture and black music. Yeah. So and and this was, you know, this is something that I accepted until 2015 when suddenly they uh, were they were scheduled to do a program on Fuji TV uh, music fair where they were going to perform in blackface alongside Momo Ido Clover Zetto, who are a J pop group. Yeah. And they had them also in blackface. So now I'm like, okay, you just lost your, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what, what do these J pop girls have to do with black music, black, you know, black culture and your respect for black people? Well, what, what happened? Why are you it's putting crossed them in blackface? the line into just straight up gimmick, yeah. right? This was the first time that I did a protest against blackface in Japan. 
I said, okay, then now you, you guys have crossed the line. You know, now you you clearly have, you know, gone into a, you've taken it to the next stage where it's no longer about respect. Now it's about um, this is your shtick and you're passing this baton of ignorance on to the next generation. Yeah. And you've subsequently led seminars in TV stations to explain and I suppose to educate why blackface shouldn't happen, right? Why, if you're a script editor, you strike it out. Is this, has this been an easy message for Japanese television executives and producers to to accept? Um, no, no, it hasn't been an, an easy message. And I'm not even sure if they've accepted it yet. You know, I think the only reason that they've refrained from doing it is because they don't want to lose face anymore. Because what's going to happen is that the the international media is going to focus its attention on on the Japanese media and say some very nasty things about them, which is what happened when Hamada-san went on the air in blackface. But yeah. this all could have been. This is all avoidable because when when the petition was done in 2015 against Ratsis Star and Momoito Clovisetto. It was a successful petition. Music Fair canceled yeah. the segment. They, they pulled, it never aired. It never yeah. aired. They pulled it. But they never there was no media coverage of it. There was no discussion of of a major corporation pulling altering its programming as a result of of a petition, of a protest. Yeah. So there was so the Japanese people never learned that blackface was problematic or that this corporation found it so problematic that they pulled it. Yeah. So well, if they had, probably Hamada wouldn't have done it later on, two years later, three years later. Yeah, y- the uh, information doesn't get spread around. Like the message right. doesn't get passed along. And we've talked about this before on the show a little bit, but the idea that Japanese media itself, the entertainment industry and the way that like the TV industry is structured, TV stations and TV shows have to do their best to appeal to the broadest possible audience and not offend anyone. But traditionally foreigners have not counted as anyone well they see it as a moan they don't see it as relevant yeah right and, and it seems that, that, that what bio was saying was that they stopped doing blackface because they didn't like the consequences that right me- media from other countries were saying it's bad i don't think i don't think japan's the only country that sees it that way i think many countries yeah. feel like we're not going to do blackface because we don't want the backlash not because they right. feel like it's problematic or it's something that's offensive they don't care about offending whoever is offended by it, but they don't want the backlash. Yeah. And, and the whole the thing with Japan is that what they had to realize and they're learning the hard way now is that all of their media is now global. As soon as they, as soon as they, as soon as it's out there, it's out there. Yeah. You know, the whole world is consuming your media now. So you have to be careful. You, you, you can't, you can't just, uh, you know, disregard non-Japanese viewers. All of this, I think, is going to tie in very, very closely to this week's news story. So, Ali, let's go ahead and get right into the news. So, the news story this week is something which I don't actually think has had worldwide penetration. I know a lot of people in Japan are very cross about this and the kind of Japan Twitter sphere is, but I haven't seen much pickup in foreign media outlets, because I guess they've got a lot else to, wor- to worry about too. Yeah. But Bobby, what's, uh, what's NHK in trouble for this week? NHK has a show called Kore de Wakata Sekai no Ima, which means now I understand it. The world right now, Japanese TV show titles are terrible. 
Like, yeah. like this title is equivalent to like the U.S.'s. Now that's what I call music, Volume Forty Six. Um. <laughs> which, which is actually quite funny because that's what you call music is a bit of an insult if said in the right way also the title of this show uh you've understood the world like that now is also an equally apt way of describing the absolute hellhole that they've unleashed yeah by uh, publishing this daft video so they published a video that was daft. ostensibly supposed to he's british i'm sorry it was ostensibly <laughs> yeah. supposed to explain. Sorry, sorry does Darth not have the right degree of gravity? <laughs> it just, I mean, daft, daft is a word that I would use if I was making a cartoon to represent the British. Right. <laughs> it sounds like something a British cartoon character would say that to me. Daft. Okay. For those that don't know what this uh, what, what this daft little daft little racist ditty is, uh, <laughs> Bobby, what happened? It was a cartoon that was ostensibly supposed to explain Black Lives Matter, and it depicted stereotypical black characters who were apparently in the act of looting, not protesting peacefully, but looting. And explaining the reasons for why black people in America were so upset. The show itself, in a prior segment, had mentioned police brutality, had mentioned the death of George Floyd. But the segment itself does not say anything about police brutality or violence or racial injustice or inequality or anything like that. It says that white people have more money than black people and black people lost their jobs at a disproportionate rate due to corona and that frustration boiled over and that's why this is happening but for a whole bunch of reasons uh the way that they chose to portray this misinformation was incredibly racist so Baya, you did manage to successfully eradicate blackface from japanese tv but nhk did find a loophole by using a cartoon <laughs> This this sucks. This is awful, isn't it? It is awful. It is awful. I'm considering a few months ago, I did some work with them on a program called Black in Black Me, which was excellent. It showed the, the discrimination that takes place among Japanese people against other Japanese people. You know, so the NHK does make programming that's, you know, that's... That's, mm, that's positive. Yeah, that's positive and that's, you know, conscious and, yeah. and woke. You know, and this was representative of quite the opposite. Un <laughs> unawake, very uh uh tone deaf and you know, just I don't I hate to say it, but it, it was racist. It was yeah. a racist video. That's interesting that you claim this particular clip is racist. Because I know in the past you've been careful to not accuse Japanese television of being racist, but rather ignorant or uh, maybe kind of xenophobic, right? Just doing otherness, not necessarily about blackness, but about but about non-Japanese. Well, in, in this case, I, I, I'm still being careful not to say Japanese television is racist. This sure. particular clip, and not even this entire program was racist. This particular anime clip on yeah. that program was racist because it... I think it's reflective of a mindset. I mean, you said earlier that it was the stereotypes, but these weren't even stereotypes. These were caricatures of stereotypes. Yeah. So, yep. and that's how embedded the stereotypes are in the mindset of the people who create this video. Yeah. Uh, to them, the stereotypes are the real thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, so they, they feel like they were making caricatures of black people as opposed to caricatures of stereotypes of black people. So... It was it was just really awful, really awful, and they missed the whole point. Yeah. If 
if they had spoken with anyone of African descent before this had come to, you know, had been released on to uh, released on the public, I think it wouldn't have it wouldn't have gone out as is. If they had got if they had come to me and, and I am a source that's available for consultation at any time. If they had come to me, I would have told them, yeah, I mean it's not it's not awful. I would have been very nice about it, right? Yeah. It's not it's not it's not entirely <laughs> useless, but um I would change some aspects of it so as not to offend people, you know, who are human. Like for example <laughs> who are human. <laughs> well this is what I would have said. I would say you see that big muscular black guy in the forefront Speaking like a Yakuza. Yeah. Let's change him to a white guy, right? And put him in a police uniform, right? And you see the white guy over there looking terrified? <laughs> Let's change him to a black guy, put him <laughs> put him under the white guy's n- knee, right? And 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 let him apply pressure to that black guy's neck while he's on the ground. Then you would be accurately portraying why there's so much anger <laughs> because that that big muscular that big muscular white guy would represent white supremacy and racism and everybody would get it yeah. even the kids the show was uh you know ostensibly for <laughs> even they would get it as somebody that has experience articulating the black experience to both a western audience and a japanese audience do you find any particular difficulties in explaining quite why black discrimination is its own special class that needs this special movement that has this unique history? Not necessarily. I mean, I think most people are pretty resistant to any type of uh, narrative that that will label them racist. Yeah. So I try to avoid that at all times. You know, I, I when I've gone out to talk to Japanese um you know, people who've invited me to come and speak at their, you know, various universities, organizations. I try to use, I, I, like you said earlier, I avoid re- using words like racism and race. For example, I have a workshop. I talk about presumptions. Now, mm. when you talk to a group about reducing their presumptions about people of African descent or or any non-Japanese people, they can definitely get, they can, they can, uh, they can see themselves in that narrative. They can see yeah. that they do have presumptions about black people. Yes, I do presume black people are, you know, enjoy hip hop and play basketball and love Kentucky Fried Chicken or whatever, right? I do have these presumptions, and and then at that, once you have them thinking along those lines, it's easier for them to come to the conclusion that it might be race related without me having yeah. to to put it on them. And, and once they see that, once they're able to make that connection on their own, the conversation gets much easier. Because now they're telling me, oh, my God, race has had an impact on a lot of my decisions that I've made in my life. But I don't have to tell them that. And then they can see for themselves. If you start with the idea that you might be racist and you might have to stop being racist, it makes somebody uncomfortable. And in the West, there's this whole idea about, like, deprioritizing white comfort. But I don't think it's just purely a white comfort issue. It's a majority comfort issue. And in Japan, you have the Japanese people going, well, I don't want to think about this. I don't see racism in Japan. I don't experience racism in Japan. Having to deal with it makes me uncomfortable. So it's not there. Right. And one thing that I found awful and ironic is the response from Japanese people who, especially to the Black Lives Matter movements and marches that are happening in Japan, in Osaka, in Tokyo, we've got one coming up in Fukuoka, they're planning one in Nagoya, they're doing one in Kyoto. 
there's this response from Japanese people that are like, this is not relevant here because there's no racism here. And right alongside those statements are the most racist statements. Like you right. would, these, these Japanese alt-right guys would not lose to the Ku Klux Klan. Like the stuff that they say to demonstrate that there's no racism is so racist. Like, like, it's like when I tell Ali that he goes for the cheapest, easiest jokes and he goes, yeah, well, your mom's a slut. Like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> you've just proven the point that we were trying to make by trying to make the opposite point. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I wrote this article for Toyo Keizai last week, and if you see some of the responses to it, it and these are people bad. saying it's really awful. And, you know, I'm not spooked by it because I know this kind of energy is out there and these type of people out there, whether they be white or Japanese or whatever, I know they're out there. I'm just saying it's just it's, it's out there, you know. So I read that editorial, You Might Be Dead Already as well. And even in mm. the kinder responses to it, there is this sense from Japanese people that this movement is not necessarily relevant in Japan now. And one of the responses that I've seen to that has been about Heiwa Bokeh. This concept mm -hmm. that heiwa, peace, and bokeh, like to be stupid. That right now Japan has experienced such a long period of extended peace that they've been lulled into this sense of political security where they don't have to engage with ideas about war or discrimination or social injustice. Uh, do you think that... This is coming from the West? The heiwa ja bokeh? Japanese people tend to say, more political Japanese people tend to say that the problem with ah. Japan right now is heiwa bokeh. And I would say of the, the kind of more intelligent and politically active Japanese friends I have, their number one complaint about Japan is people's apathy, right? Apathy at the ballot box, just apathy towards political issues. That's what Japanese activists want to get sorted first, just getting the population rallied behind a cause and kind of get them tuned into a political frequency to affect change. Uh, and right. I guess what, what Bobby's saying is there's a number of people in Japan that just say, well, this is not our problem. This is an American problem. We don't need to be the agents of change. Stop bringing your daft protests to our streets. Right. <laughs> daft protests. Um, yeah, I, I, I've seen a lot of that. But I've also, like I said, I'm, I'm at the march and I'm surrounded by, I would say, more than 50% of the, of the people that were out there were Japanese. So... You know, there's a lot of support as well. So I guess that's going to be the case whatever you do. Yeah. There's going to be people who are going to be supportive of it and people who are going to be, you know, against it. And I don't think I've done a, a single thing in Japan that hasn't that hasn't been the case. <laughs> yeah. Even blackface. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had a lot of people who were like, this is our culture. Monomane is our thing. We, we want to continue oh, doing blackface. God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, pretending to be your culture is our culture. Yeah, exactly. I found it interesting that you said that at the protests you attended, that there were a lot of non-Japanese but non-black allies, right? You know, other yeah. foreigners in Japan. And one of the themes of the show, which I took to the Edinburgh Fringe last year, was how I I went to a, a predominantly white university. Right. That, like, I made a joke in the show that my university was so white we had a black student. And, and what I spoke about in the show is how I moved to Japan after I went to, to this university. Um, and I mentioned in the show that it's Oxford, but I, there's no point in mentioning it on the podcast, really. Yeah, um, although you do it every podcast. <laughs> uh, and, um, but, but, but 
it, it kind of one of the, the themes of the show was how me experiencing to a very, very small extent the feeling of being othered or, or the feeling of having decisions made about me and my thoughts and my background made by proxy all of a sudden just made me to start to think about my genuinely my one black classmate's experience at this university and it encouraged me to pick up the phone to her and say i never asked you these questions at the time because i wasn't aware it was a problem i've always said that like living in japan is great for white people who want to know what racism is like but not really <laughs> even if it's not racism right it just comes from the fact that you're other what it does do is it is it gives you the smallest window i believe into what it's like to have a decision made about you that's that's not based on your actions, right? Right. And obviously, obviously, I'm I'm aware of the fact that we just get the smallest taste. And I'm also aware that explaining this to people that haven't lived in Japan find it absurd that I, as a white guy, would even attempt to to make the claim that I think that I can somehow get into the headspace of someone who, on one instance, has been other. You know, I I, I find it really difficult to articulate this. And I wonder what your thoughts on this are. Uh, what what you expect from other minorities in Japan who, in the grand scheme of things, have a, a huge amount of privilege, right? And how they should best use that privilege. <laughs> wow. That's a lot, yeah. <laughs> that is a lot, That's a lot. man. Um... Also, if you could... If you could... If you could do it pretty quickly as well, because we're going to wrap up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Could you put it in? <laughs> Ollie's going to talk for six minutes and then ask you for a 20-second right. soundbite. Um, <laughs> and if that's not an analogy for the problem at hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I could answer that question, sir, <laughs> then, you know, world peace could be achieved overnight. Um, Come on, then. Hurry. <laughs> I don't know. I, I okay. Let me give you an analogy. Um, the other day, I'm I'm on Facebook, and um, a white woman puts up a post about how Americans are are starting to ignore Corona, and 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 and, it's, and because of that, Corona is spiking again. And how can you know? Why can't they be more like a Japanese people who are still you know? Um, Taking, you know, being careful and making sure that, you know, there's there, there's no spikes and whatnot. And you know, what's wrong with Americans, right? And she's just putting this out there like it's just, you know, this is just regular talk. Like, what well, you know. So I said, when I was growing up, you know, we was worried about bullets, you know, and, and, and police going to crack our skulls open. So, you know, c Corona... <laughs> wouldn't bother me if I was in Brooklyn right now. You know, it, it, it wouldn't be my major concern. Yeah. yeah. My major concern would be, you know, my children getting from point A to point B without being harmed, you know, or me keeping my job so that, you know, I can pay my bills and, and maintain this standard of living I have right now and not let it diminish any. I mean, I'd be concerned about these types of things. The corona would be very low on that list because there's so many threats to my freaking existence outside this door even inside this door that corona seems like <laughs> it's, it's almost laughable that you know i'm concerned about this 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 threat that may or may not even harm me you know yeah whereas there are things out there that are definitely proven to be harmful to my health and and and, and are and i'm a target of these things yeah because of the color of my skin so i wrote this on the post i'm like you know this you can't just say america you have to say, you know, the 
this that's a segment of America that 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 you're thinking about. You're not thinking about all of America. And and, and she got it. You know. Now, how do you make Japanese people get that? I don't know. That's a I huge know. problem right that's now with the Black disconnect. Lives Matter marches because there's all this pushback from Japanese people saying with COVID going on, why is this necessary to do in Japan right now? Right. Like in Japan where you don't have – yes, you have discrimination against foreigners. Yes, you have more specific discrimination against black people. But you don't have black people dying from police brutality in Japan and you don't have black people dying disproportionately from COVID in Japan. <laughs> So why does the protest have to happen now and put Japanese health at risk? But like you said, that kind of ignores the fact that Japanese people are putting Japanese health at risk for much more trivial shit. I don't think people are making those types of connections. And sometimes I feel like they're purposely not making these types of connections. Yeah. I feel like this is this is they don't want to. Yeah. And I don't, and I totally understand that. I mean, if I step outside of my shoes into the shoes of a, of a of a of a majority, whether it be Japanese or white, if I'm able to do that, and I am able to do that because as a, a minority, we are forced to be able to sympathize with the majority as opposed to the, the opposite, right? right? So I am able to step into white shoes and Japanese shoes, so I can see the world through your eyes, and from that perspective, I can see. Well, shit, I'm not gonna give up my. <laughs> My privilege, why would I sacrifice my privilege for, you know, for anyone? Hey, thanks very much for listening to this episode 40 of Japan by River Cruise. If you're new to the podcast, then please do subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it. And as ever, thank you to everybody who bought us a coffee this week. We really appreciate it. There'll be a whole heap of extras with just just so much more insight from Baye uh, dropping in your private feed. You can find Baye's Twitter at at Mark Baye McNeil. It's B-A-Y-E-M-C-N-E-I-L. Uh, definitely encourage you to follow. Baye, thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure, man. <laughs> Thanks you for having me. We'll see you guys next week.